Praise God. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of John chapter 4. And today, what we would like to do is continue our series, which is entitled A Life Restored Series. A Life Restored, in which we're going to be going through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're going to be plucking out stories in the Bible of men and women whose lives were radically changed because of Jesus, because of God. People's lives were changed for different reasons. Some whose lives were changed because they were physically healed by a miracle that either Jesus or someone in the Bible performed that caused their lives to be transformed. Some people's lives were changed because God forgave them of their sin and they were transformed. Their minds were renewed. Other people's lives were transformed because somebody believed for them and brought them to Jesus and they received eternal life or salvation through Jesus. There's so many different ways that a life can be transformed. So many different ways that a life can be restored. Raise your hand if you are one of those individuals whose lives have been restored by the blood of the Lamb through Jesus Christ. Look around, church. We have a whole lot of people who can give glory to God for what his son Jesus has done in our lives. Let's give God a hand of praise today. I say praise the Lord. What a blessing it is to know that God is still working. We serve a living God. Hallelujah. And so the story, for those of you who may know the scriptures in John chapter 4, it's a very well-told story of Jesus meeting a woman at Jacob's well in the land of Samaria. They call her the Samaritan woman. They also call her the woman at the well. This is a story of a woman who was not so proud of the life that she had lived. This is a woman who was just a couple of steps away from truly knowing who God was. This is a woman who believed in God, even was relatively familiar with the scriptures. And she could even say, I heard it said about dot, dot, dot. I heard somebody say dot, dot, dot. You know, I can't help but recognize as a pastor and give more credit to people in the world about how much they actually know about God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A lot of people actually know more about God than they would like to admit. There's also quite a few people who are just a couple of steps away from a dedicated and committed life to Jesus, the risen Lord. And far be it from us as the church for us to ever become a stumbling block for somebody who's on their way who's on a journey, on a collision course with Jesus. 
for us as the church to become a hurdle for those people coming to Jesus. We're going to read this story in the Bible about this woman and how she continued to look to the things of the world to fill the big, huge hole that she had in her heart. She was looking to the material things of the world because of how empty she truly felt. And the Bible doesn't say why she lived this life. The Bible doesn't say why she kept looking to other things or other people to fill this void in her heart. But the Bible is clear that on that fateful day, when she was on her way to Jacob's well there in Samaria, at about 12 noon, she met a man who told her everything that she had ever done in her life. And that conversation with that man, and that man's name was Jesus, changed her life forevermore. The conversation with the man who did not condemn her for the life of sin that she had lived. The conversation with the man who brought tears to her eyes. A conversation with the man who brought conviction to her life. A conversation with the man who restored her. And brought her to faith in the one who gave her the very life that she lived. That's Jesus. In this story, we're going to learn about how Jesus is demonstrating for us the church, the body of Christ, just as if we were sitting right there on the edge of the well, calling down the well, making echoes, as the voice of our Savior and the timber of his voice reverberated through Jacob's well, just like in the movie Goonies. Is there somebody down there? And Jesus has demonstrated for the church how not to judge. Jesus has demonstrated for us how to have conversations with people who are that close. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the gospel according to St. John, the beloved disciple who writes this portion of scripture from a third person account. And the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. You see, Judea was in the south, Galilee was in the north. My wife and I took a trip to Israel back in 2014 during the Super Bowl when my brother was with the Seahawks. They were playing in New York City and they won the whole thing. I watched the game in the middle of the night from the Sea of Galilee. I was exhausted the very next day. Could barely even keep my eyes open. And Jesus and the disciples were going back and forth to and fro. Now he had 
to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar. Your Bible may say Sukar. It reminds me of Celia Cruz. Azúcar. And it was near the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. I see a Jacob over here and his son Joseph was sitting right next to him. Right, brother? I'm sure you guys love this passage. And Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well and it was the sixth hour. You see, in those days, it was about 6 a.m. when the sun would come up. And so they started counting and according to the hours in the day um, based on the placement of the sun. And so about 12 noon, it was probably the, the high time or high noon when um, people would go to the well, especially single women. They would go to the well at that hour when they did not want to run into people. So a lot of times if it was hot, people would go to the well earlier in the day when it was cooler or later on in the day, right, at, at dusk, all right? But this woman is going to the well at 12 noon. It wasn't, the, although it wasn't the most popular time to go to the well to fetch water, right, because your day is almost gone by that time. How many of you are tracking with me so far? Most people need their water at the beginning of the day. Well, there's a reason why Jesus knew to go to this place because he had an encounter that he had planned in his mind and in his heart for this woman. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Pause right there. Just thinking about this, how did she recognize that Jesus was a Jew compared to her being a Samaritan? Most likely, 2,000 years ago, the Jews would probably have dressed a certain way. Jesus would have also stood out because he had a particular robe and a particular garment that he would wear that was very, very similar to what rabbis would have worn. And so that would have distinguished Jews from Samaritans and would have triggered in her the ability to recognize who Jesus was in being a Jewish man. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have given him and he would have given you living water. This is what Jesus says to her, you guys. This is not just some casual conversation. This is deep. Okay, this is deep. Excuse the pun. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you give me living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus begins to have a soteriological conversation with the Samaritan woman who is going to be able to actually follow him theologically. Okay, traditionally, the Hebrew scriptures, all right, the Samaritans were part Jewish and they were part Gentile. And they were a people that were looked down upon by the Jews. That was why they didn't always get along. All right, that was why they would, they would have conflict. 
Most times, whenever Jews were passing from Galilee down to Judea, they didn't go through Samaria, you guys. They went around so that they could avoid conflict, so that they can avoid having to go through Samaria, right? But Jesus said, no, we're going right through Samaria. Jesus, in his divine wisdom and understanding, knew that he was always up for a wonderful conversation and meeting somebody at the point of their need. Amen? And that's a, a great reminder for us as Christians that we are available. Today, you may have plans for the Super Bowl celebration and party, but are you going to leave plans and you're going to leave some space and some time aside to meet somebody at the point of their need today? You may be on the way with some fried chicken in hand. You may be on the way with some boxes of pizza from Costco. You may see somebody stranded on the road. You may see somebody that's hungry. You may see somebody that's cold. You may see somebody that you hadn't seen in a while. Are you going to rush off and go and get to the Super Bowl party even though the Super Bowl is going to last six hours with all those commercials? Are you going to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and be available to our King and meet somebody that He purposed for us to meet or to see today. Jesus starts talking about eternal life. He starts talking about living water, you guys. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Today, this message ain't about how many husbands or wives you may have had. Today, this message is not about a message on, on condemnation or judgment. No, that's, that's the job of Jesus himself. Today, this message is all about the holes that each and every one of us have in our hearts, the voids, the deficits, the longing, the craving, the loneliness, the things that we try to look for to fill those voids, the things that we turn to in order to satisfy a longing for something greater than that temporal thing or that temporal relationship. This conversation has nothing to do with the fact that she was at the well looking to try and make Jesus her next husband. But this conversation has everything to do with the fact that the hole in her heart was about to be filled with living water that she could drink deeply from. Poor woman, as they would say, she was thirsty. She was thirsty. How many of us have ever been thirsty? For real. Trying to fill our lives with things that will not satisfy. I don't even need to go down the litany of the things that you and I have turned to 
to try and experience temporary satisfaction. I don't need to do it. And I had a whole long list right here in my notes, but I'm not going to go there. You know what they are. I know what mine are. I know the things that I have turned to in my life to try and feel the longing that I truly have for Jesus. You know the things that, that you've turned to or that the enemy can try and use in your life to cause you to look down on yourself, to cause us to have to keep going back to the well. Going back to the well. We got to go back to the well. We got to go back to the well. You got to go back to the well. And the woman says, well, won't you give me some of this water so I don't have to keep coming back to the well? Young people, friendships are so important for teenagers. Being accepted is so important for each and every one of us. But guess what? No relationship, no acceptance, no friendship group. No affirmation because you do this or because you're good at that or because you're good looking or because you look like this can ever satisfy the longing that your soul has. The only thing that can satisfy the longing that your soul has, that my soul has, is Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, the King of kings. He can fill your cup to overflowing. He can fill the hole that you have in your heart because I heard somebody say one time, God can meet the God-shaped hole that is there in our hearts. Praise the Lord. Somebody goes to the military, guess what? You leave friends, you leave family, you leave friendship groups. And I know we got media, we have... We have computer cams and FaceTime. We got all these things that people can use these days to create community. But guess what? Back in the day when I went to the University of Florida from Carson, California, there was no way for me to see my family unless I saw them in person. But I went there and I had to know that God was with me. I went there and I had to know that Jesus was the one who was with me so that I didn't look for other things to try and fill the void in my life that I was going to be leaving, that I was going to be stepping away from. And if any of you know the Canales family, man, you know we are family people. Anybody knows me, you know I'm a family kind of guy. Anybody knows me, when I'm around people, oh man, it's my sweet spot because I love God and I love people. And that's probably why he made me a pastor. So when I'm around people, oh man, I'm rejuvenated. I'm rejuvenated. But guess what? If all I want to do is be around people, and I never have the time to just sit down in the quietness and the stillness of the day and spend some time with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to pour into my heart, pretty soon I'm going to be looking for community and looking for things. I'm, I'm going to make church my God. I'm going to make serving and busyness my God. And there's going to be still a, an emptiness and, and a void that, that I'm going to be looking to fulfill in the wrong things, in the wrong places. Jesus saw that this woman had a need. And Jesus says, 
Let me move anything away that can prevent this woman from receiving the very thing that she needs from this point on. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that this place, that this is the place where we must worship, and it is called Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Somebody say amen. amen. For God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman says, watch this, you guys. I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. This is one of the first times in the Gospel of John in scriptures where Jesus actually reveals himself to the person that he is interacting with as Messiah. As most of the time Jesus would heal, he would do miracles, and then he would tell them this, don't tell anybody. It's called the Messianic secret because it wasn't time yet. Jesus didn't want to create the stir, although he knew that people were going to go back and tell everybody about what this man, this rabbi, this prophet, this man named Jesus of Nazareth had done for them. But here, Jesus says, I the one who you are speaking with, am he. I'm the Christ. Can I break down the word Messiah? Messiah comes from the Greek word Christos. Christos means anointed one or king. And Messiah comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach. Okay, or in Spanish, Messias. All right, or Messiah for us in English. So we see that Jesus now recognizes and calls himself the one. He says, I am the one which blessed me to no end, Pastor Ray, to learn of this woman who is this close from having a true relationship with God. See, there was still something missing that was preventing her from putting all her trust in God and allowing the relationship that she had with God to be the very thing that she continued to look for. I'm going to take a little moment while I'm here to talk a little bit about this woman. I'm going to, then we'll get back to the text. You guys, back in those days 2,000 years ago, much like still even today, even though it's changing, divorce was looked down upon hugely. I mean, if you got divorced once, it was like, oh, man, you were damaged goods. As a matter of fact, okay, most of the time, especially in those days, okay, it was the man who divorced the woman. Women didn't have the power to divorce men. Men had to divorce the woman. They had the power because, sadly, women were seen as property in that society. So they belonged to a man. So the fact that she had already been divorced five times tells us what? That someone had divorced her. Five different people had divorced her. Are you following me? 
Five different people having divorced her, and the Bible doesn't say why, but we can probably assume that she was probably still looking for relationships or intimacy or something in other men, which was causing these men to divorce her. Are you tracking with me so far? So the fact that Jesus, this Jewish man, this rabbi, saw the Samaritan woman who now, according to their conversation, Jesus says, and you've been divorced five times. It continues the fact that really Jesus had no business talking with her. And she was probably at that point so embarrassed and so so ashamed of her past and this conversation with Jesus. She probably felt this big, but Jesus wasn't there to try and heap guilt on her, which is what I love. Jesus wasn't there to tell her how bad of a person she was. Jesus wasn't having a conversation with her, telling her how bad of a sinner she truly was and that she was going to go to hell. Right? It's kind of like the person that's the, the center of the rumor mill at work. Oh, yeah, you know, you heard about her. Oh, yeah, you heard about him. Oh, you, you, did you hear about that guy, man, the last Christmas party, what he did, who he was with? You mean her, her? Oh, yeah, man, she's married, but, man, she, she, man, going around talking and acting and behaving like that is not something that God has called us to do as believers. Somebody's business is somebody else's business. And if, they, if their business is preventing them from being in a, a full fully committed and a loving relationship with God because they don't know any better, then guess what? We need to get on our, prayer, on our knees and we need to start praying about how God may use us in order to befriend them, in order to allow them to get a better look or a closer look at what a Christian truly is and what a Christian truly looks like and how a cr- Christian truly speaks and how a Christian truly acts and how a church is supposed to function and how a church is supposed to be as the body of Christ, a hospital for the sick a hospital for those who are in need, and then maybe, just maybe, our friends and our family, our co-workers, our neighbors will then want to say, hey, so what was your church again? Hey, what time does service start again? And, and, and oh, yeah, by the way, before you take the, the, trash, the trash can back, you're talking in the street. And you see your other neighbor pulling their trash can in, too. And you say, oh, 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 by the way, how you doing? Can I help you? Can I pray with you? You see, we're not talking about having to be perfect. You ain't perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect. All the hands went down. All the hands went down. Somebody say, hallelujah. None of us are perfect. Somebody say, praise God. That honor is reserved for King Jesus. Somebody say, King Jesus. Hallelujah. There's going to be a whole bunch of commercials today about King Jesus. You watch. Them commercials that say Jesus. Jesus, what is it? Jesus knows us. Jesus gets us. There's going to be a whole bunch. Whenever you see those commercials, church, I want you just to stop and think about, okay, Lord, pray for somebody. I want you to text somebody right then and there. When you see Jesus gets his commercial, I want you to tell that person that you don't even want to text. 
I want you, I want you to text that person and say, hey, God bless you. It's been a while. How's everything going? How's, how do you enjoy the game? Jesus got her. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Oh, snap. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? They were just like, hey, let him do his thing. Jesus was modeling for, him, for them, you guys. They're like, look at Jesus. He's doing his thing again. Look at, there goes Brother Arnold doing his thing again. Leave him alone. He's doing his, his, his Jesus thing. Praise the Lord. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She starts asking them, you guys, like, hey, help, help me understand. Hey, what, were the, what did the scriptures say about the Messiah again? And they all started conversing. They, they all started having conversations about what the Messiah was, was prophesied or said to, to do one day. You guys, they started having these conversations. And they came out of the town, and they made their way to him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food already? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Can somebody say they're ripe for harvest? Even now the reaper draws the, the wages. Even now the harvests, the, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another one reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not yet worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Praise God. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus didn't tell her about her life. So he could elevate himself and come off as better than her. Jesus just wanted to demonstrate to her that he was no ordinary Joe. The scripture says that she went back to the town and everybody saw and heard a different woman, a life restored. Her conversation was different. Her thirst had now been quenched by the living water that flows from the rivers of heaven into her heart.
into her life and out of her mouth. She told everybody about this man named Jesus. And the scripture said it wasn't just because of her testimony, the change that they had seen, or the words that she had shared, her testimony, the life that she lived was her testimony. But it said that they had now come to believe that Jesus was Messiah. Which says to me, although it's not explicitly spoken about in the scripture, that she had come to put her faith in Jesus as the Savior of the, of the world. Which means that she had come to Jesus and put her trust in him. And when Jesus said, the one who you are speaking of is the Messiah, she believed him. And she began to trust him. And the Holy Spirit began to, began to lead her. You see, some of us, as, even in, in our Christian walks, we're still far from God. We're still far from the will of God because we haven't yet submitted our, 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 our lives and ourselves to the word of God. We haven't submitted ourselves to obedience, through scripture. We haven't submitted ourselves to the service of our Lord. And there, we're, we're still a couple of steps away from walking completely in the fullness of the kingdom of God. But this woman who was this close before she met Jesus took the next couple necessary steps of closing that gap and coming to the point in her life where she was able to recognize Jesus as God. And the Bible says, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose again on the third day, that you shall be saved. Romans 10 verse 13 says that if anybody shall call upon the name of the Lord, he, he shall be saved. It is not for me and you to judge who God desires to save. It is for me and you to love our neighbor, to love our enemy, to love and live according to the will of Jesus Christ, to allow the word of God to be our guide, to allow the word of God to be the light that leads our feet to be the very word of God that governs our very breath and our life and our purpose, our being. Having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a, a woman that I met at soccer practice. She shared with me her life. No, I didn't tell her all about her life. I'm not Jesus. And in our conversation, I could discern that she was this close from having a commitment and a walk and a life with Jesus. She wasn't there yet. And she asked me about my life. I said, I'm a pastor. She says, oh, wow. What church do you pastor? And I, I shared with her about our church, about you, about what God is doing here. She said, wow. She said, is the spirit of God alive there? I said, absolutely. She says, I want to be a part of a church where the spirit of God is alive. I said, well, you need to come. 
I'm not saying our church is better than other churches. I'm just saying just that's who we are. That's what God is doing. She says, I want to come, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to bring my family. I said, praise God. I can't wait until you do. Can't wait until you do. She said, but I've had some bad experience with, with, with Christian churches in my life. Every time that I've ever gone and told them that I was a self-professing Catholic, they would run me out. I said, well, you're not going to be run out here at Mission. But at Mission, you're going to find a loving people where we do teach and preach the word of God, where the spirit of God is alive and well, where you can raise your family in the ways of the Lord, but you will be challenged, like Pastor Dan said. You will be challenged. She thought to herself, and her head kind of cocked to the side. Hmm. I said, can't wait to see you come through those doors so you can come and taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Not you and I. The Bible says, no, there is not one who is good. Our best deeds, the Bible says, according to the prophet Isaiah, are as filthy rags unto God. Only Jesus can fill your heart. Only Jesus can satisfy the longing that you are experiencing right here, right now. Pastor Dan said, hey, maybe today in worship, this is your Super Bowl worship. This is our, this is our big event. Right here, this service, right here, right now, this moment, this event where the word of God is being lifted up and where we are being drawn closer to Jesus. But guess what? And if, if you're not there yet, our prayer is that you would open your heart and that you'd give God a chance, that you'd open your heart and you'd allow the Holy Spirit to fill your heart, to be your everything. So that we're not looking for satisfaction other things, other people. And false gods. Things that we've made into gods to take his place. But no. Church, as we stand. Might you and I press Closer and closer and closer and closer into Jesus. To the point where we can be like Jesus and we could tell somebody, come and see. Come and meet a man that told me all about my life and didn't judge me. Come with me. Let me introduce you to the Savior of the world who will satisfy your every need.